My first ever episode of What's in the Bag is all about a man who's not short of music experiences. From eager gig going to interviewing and reporting on some of the world's biggest musicians, Jimmy Blake will be talking me through his life via five objects based on his music ventures. Jimmy Blake, thank you for coming uh, to my flat. You've had to like travel across London for this. So. Yeah, there was, there was almost a mad delay as well, but we seem to avoid it. It would have been amazing if we'd just done it waiting for a train. Yeah, on phones. <laughs> yeah. On like loudspeaker. <laughs> the quality of that. Um, I know you, obviously, uh, through our work that we do outside of this. Yes. Um, but I did still ha- do my research on you. Um, I was that going, creepy. going through the Twitter timeline last night. Your Were twi- you? Your, yeah, your Twitter bio. Because I was like, what does, what's your technical title? <laughs> if I came up to you in a pub and I went, Jimmy, what do you do? Would you say a reporter or documentary maker or interviewer? Or is it a bit of all those skills, would you say? I mean, it's a bit of everything. If I was like describing it to like a grandparent or something, I'd say like I'm a music reporter for Newsbeat at Radio 1 and 1 Extra is probably the, the briefest way of explaining And they'll go, it. what's 1 Extra? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Radio 1, to be fair. <laughs> Potentially. My granddad's pretty on the ball. He's 91. But uh, I wouldn't class myself as a documentary maker because that, that then puts you into realms of people who are way better at everything than me. So, well, no, you're not quite like Louis Theroux and all that. No. But you have just um, made yourself... Um, I've a, made myself. You've made yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you've made a documentary, not about yourself, um, no. about transgressive record label and uh-huh. the various artists that work with them called How to Survive the Music Industry, The Transgressive Story. Yep. Um, I've watched it twice, not once but twice. That's good. Um, very enjoyable. And you've got to say you're technically, you can technically make documentaries now, sure. Well, I can, yeah. But what I meant before is like there's people who like dedicate their lives to making those kind of things and I can't put myself anywhere near that bracket it was it was more a thing that I pitched because I'd met Toby L who is kind of he was the initial founder of Transgressive so there's an event I'm pretty sure you've done stuff there as well called uh, BBC Introducing Live and we did a special program from there last year with Newsbeat got chatting afterwards and I mean, you've met him as well. Mm-hmm. You know that as soon as you meet him, you're like, right, this guy's excited about everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's Tuesday! <laughs> um, but he, he's so excited about everything and it's pretty hard to not want to do other stuff with him. So once we got chatting and he was like, oh, well, next year we've got um, our big 15th anniversary. So that was, it was kind of a thing that I'd pitched to Newsbeat because we were they were saying like you can have all this access it was like a little look into their bubble that they've created well no what you get is loads of different themes that go throughout you have Felix White narrating it from the Maccabees mm-hmm. who's also set up recently Yalla Records so you yeah. get the whole aspect of setting up an independent label then the actual relationships they have with the bands some of the bands um, like Foles, for instance, who are on like fifth and sixth album and how they're dealing with that side of things and, yeah. and capturing, you went along to their gigs and captured that. But then also sort of smaller bands like Blind Avon, who have had quite a, well, it's quite a tough year or a couple of years, yeah. for them, hasn't it? So did you expect all those themes to come into it? Um, kind of, because 
I don't think any kind of documentary should be the same thing all the way through. Like, I didn't want it to be, we're just at gigs the whole time. Because we could have done that. We could have gone to Marika Hackman's gigs. We could have gone to like Blind Evans shows. We could have just been at Foles shows. You just turned into a massive piss-up. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but but as, as exciting as that would look, because you get behind-the-scenes access you also get used to behind the scenes access quite quickly. So you want to tell the human stories behind it as well. And Ben from Blind Avon, who you just mentioned, has had a really tough time with his mental health over the last year or so. And um, it's an important one because doing a lot of reporting at Newsbeat, we get a lot of artists come through and you kind of see this the same thing from everyone. It's like, right, well, I'm off here next, I'm off here next, I'm off here next. And it's not it's not a normal thing to do at mm. all. And that can be tough. Like it might, on the outside, might seem like the best job on the planet. And a lot of the time it is. But if you're having a mental health problem, no matter what you're doing as your job, you have to listen to that a bit and take a foot off. So it was it was fascinating and really eye-opening to talk to Ben. And I've got a lot of time for the, the amount of access that he gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I think it was, a, to answer your question, to go back to it, it was a deliberate thing to have those themes kind of running through because, like you say, you've got foals at one end and you don't really need to do too much explaining with someone like them because a lot of people know who they are. But then it was also interesting to hear the story of how that started with Transgressive and to get to the point where they are now. Um, ben with his mental health side of things. I think if people are wanting to see something a bit different and see sort of the underbelly of what's going on in in UK yeah. music industry and in particular Transgressive, which are a phenomenal record label when you look at it in terms yeah. of the people they've signed and that small nucleus of a team, what they've managed to do. <laughs> yeah, they're bit they're busy people, and it was also it was also a thing of um, to sort of try and ex- ex- try and try and show a little bit of of how behind all that works because a lot of people will hear songs and not necessarily know how they end up on the radio or kind of if they're interested in being part of the music industry but they don't play guitar they don't sing or whatever Mm -hmm. to show that there is that other side to it because not everyone sees that well as i said how to survive the music industry the transgressive story is on iPlayer at mm-hmm. the moment, sandwiched in between a nice other couple yeah, of documentaries. Yeah. Isn't it? Is it the Mark Ronson one and an Amy Winehouse one? Yeah, it's silly. It's somehow <laughs> wedged in between there. I don't know why it's ended up there, to be honest. <laughs> it's flattering that it's in there. But um, yeah, it's also on YouTube for anyone who... Because Flume's in it and he's an Australian artist, so we wanted to put it on YouTube as well. So that if there's people who aren't in the UK somehow listening to this somehow (laughs) they've stumbled across this by accident god (laughs) it's on youtube well Well, there you go it's available everywhere we will come on to talking about um more music documentaries and films and stuff a bit later on but yes the main reason you're here you've bought a bag of Uh items with you um we're gonna do a kind of lucky dip of them there's a big thing that you'll be able to see there's a small thing and then there's a i'm going for this this is you go some sort of material okay now okay cool this is a big moon t-shirt yeah that's a that's a great uh logo as well it's a good it's a good t-shirt isn't it and a solid size you can see it from a mile off yeah yeah, no hesitation, you're they're fast about. They're good at those. Is it an old? So when is this from? Is it a so recent one or is it old? Two years ago, and it was 
after kind of festival season when most weekends you're like some random field around the UK somewhere and I'd bumped into them a lot that that summer so I'd got to know them a fair bit and um, their manager as well because they were at that stage where that was it like there was just them and a tour manager and their manager kind of getting everything done and I love seeing a band at that stage where they played like the future festival that we do mm-hmm. um, they played loads of those kind of up and coming shows they were on introducing stages at festivals and stuff and I love seeing bands like when they're still like driving around in their own van and they're just buzzing to mm-hmm. like be a band and start properly doing it because they've always worked so hard to get to that point so it was really good to get to know them a bit and then we went to Coco to watch the show and I had had uh, I'd initially invited a load of people to go and a few people dropped out along the way. So it ended up being me and my now girlfriend oh, okay. at, at the gig. Uh-huh. At the time, we weren't a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was quite good because she, she hasn't always worked in music stuff. So it was quite cool that because I, you know, wanted to impress her a bit. I was a spark <laughs> Take you me. along to a cool new band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went to the gig and then the gig was really fun. And then we went to the merch stand. I saw this t-shirt and as you, as we discussed, great graphic, solid logo. That's an all rounder, that t-shirt for me. <laughs> so I was going to go and buy it anyway. And then Louise, their manager was on the merch stand, like, mm-hmm. selling the stuff. Because, again, when you're at that stage, you do the gig, then you go to the front and start selling merch. And she spotted me, and um, she was like, oh, hey, how's it going? Big hug. And then, <laughs> and then she was like, were you going to buy a T-shirt? I was like, yeah, yeah, and I was going to get that one. She's like, oh, I'll have it, because it's you. Which went down so oh, well yes. in, terms of, <laughs> in terms of making good progress. <laughs> That, like the, the, I was so glad that my now girlfriend Rasheem was was within earshot and eyeshot of that happening because that did that got me so many points. Ultimate cool points. Yeah. Did she enjoy the gig as well? Yeah. She did okay, so ten out of ten all round. It was it it was into it wasn't a date at all. It wasn't listed or billed as a date. But if it was if I was to describe a first date. <laughs> That would be the best one. Like, go to a fun gig, and then you get a few cool points on the way out as well. Uh, it, that That's why that T-shirt made it into the bag. And you get, and you get it for free. Well, yeah. The T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I did get it for free. Do you keep your old band T-shirts? Because there's always, like, I just threw out some recently, because mm. I was like... Uh, a bit stained or like some of them the bands have disbanded now. <laughs> They're the ones you've got to keep though, surely. That'd well yeah, I mean some I mean some of the bands never did well no. and I thought did. I thought would even. Um but yeah, I've had to just chuck out quite a few. But do you keep do you tend to keep I've all got of yours? so many band t shirts. Yes. Like I think too many. Like I I love a merch stand. Mm-hmm. So before or after the gig I'll scout it out, suss out a bit. Um, I will normally buy a t-shirt if it's a band I'm into. Well, good story. And how, how soon after did you and Roisin start going out? Was it like instantly like, you're the cool guy? I mean, it was fairly recent after that because then we just started hanging out more. But it was just... it just... So you know she can get to free gigs and get free t-shirts. That's <laughs> yeah, why. That was it, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to delve back into this bag mm-hmm. and grab another thing. Yeah. Oh, this is quite small. Okay. It's I can fit. It's a wristband. So this is Glastonbury, 2017. So 
couple of years ago now. Production. Does this mean you got to... Did you go to Glastonbury for free and work? No. no okay. No. So the reason I bought this one mm. is because um, I made uh, the first, like, kind of... I don't even know if... It, well, I guess if, you, if you're being technical about a term documentary, it is a documentary. The first one I made properly for work was um, one where I followed Blossoms round mm-hmm. for a summer. And now everyone at work takes a piss out of me because... Like any time we need like contribution from people, I'm gonna be like, well, I know Blossoms, they can they can come on, um, but they they were such a sound bunch of guys that they're a, a similar age to me. We got on really well, and like their tour manager Wolfie is an absolute legend. Like they've always, ever since that, we've always kind of got on and hung out, and that's kind of what you want from someone that you like interview and mm-hmm. and do stuff. You kind of want to be able to keep chatting afterwards you don't yeah. want to just be like right camera's off now see you later they, and it's never really been like that and one year that year I, I went as a punter anyway but then their manager couldn't go so Wolfie their tour manager was like oh Jimmy we've got this we've got this extra wristband do you want to meet up and I can give it to you so yeah got this wristband off them um, and it meant that you can go through the gates that you can't normally go through. Oh, yes, I've done that shortcut before. Which is great because it's a shortcut. That's what that wristband is. It's a shortcut for getting mainly between the pyramid stage and the other stage. Mm -hmm. Because they're back to... Anyone who's been will know, but if you haven't, they're back to back. But if you want to go to them, it's like a... It's like like a 15-minute walk. Yeah, and it's sort of... Because they're the, t- the main two stages, like the M25 of Glastonbury, isn't it? It's busy. <laughs> and people don't walk at any sort of decent speed at Glastonbury. And it might sound cheesy, but it actually meant a lot that they did that. Because they could have given it to anyone, but they were like, oh, mate, do you want to come and hang out for a bit? We'll give it to the guy who's already got a ticket, which a lot of people will hate me saying. <laughs> don't say that. Just meant that we could hang you out. Have, you already had one. No, but they were already in the festival. This was already like they couldn't have given it to anyone else. But also, the reason I bought a Glastonbury wristband is because um, because my mum and dad live quite near the site. So mum and dad will quite often go to the festival. And um, because I started going when I was like eighteen, nineteen, mum and dad would go, and it's a perfect kind of. It's a great festival to like hang out with it with your parents. Yeah, like, I'd love to if my parents could survive the mud. <laughs> they have such a good time, and they've got their motorhome that they'll park up in the field nearby, and then they'll just kind of enjoy it a bit. And then there's a tree in the you know in the pyramid field. There's that tree in, yeah. in the middle. So me and Mum will always meet at the tree. Like I'll be off doing other bits and seeing whatever, and then we're like, right, we'll go to the tree. And mum will be there, and because she lives nearby, she'll bring one of her sandwiches, which are, <laughs> within my group of friends and my sister's mates, are very well-known sandwiches. <laughs> mum's name is Kate Blake, so this is, they're the KB sandwiches. Okay, what's in it? Describe it. So, well, she can do, she can kind of do whatever you want, Josh. She's not a one-trick pony, <laughs> but it will be sort of a big chunk of baguette, and then there'll be chicken... Mayo and it's it's evolved over the years. So the the current KB will be chicken, mayo, bit of avocado, some roasted peppers. Oh, um, she sounds like she's putting the um, food vans out of service here. <laughs> she could have done. shut well, up the, one by the tree. The, the reason that the KB existed was at a different festival, at Latitude Festival, where we all grew up. Like most of our year group would go, and there was one time when we were all in the campsite. 
Mum walks in with this like food bag, and they're like, "What have you got in there?" <laughs> <laughs> and she delivered these sandwiches, but they just kept coming. So the next day, everyone was like, "Has anyone anyone got any more KBs left?" So KB was born, and then now every time we go to Glastonbury, I'll meet Mum at the tree. We'll have a KB, watch whatever's on the main stage. What's the best thing you've seen with your parents at Glastonbury then? Mm. Because obviously Glastonbury is is expanding into this completely versatile festival where yeah. you've had the likes of Stormzy and Kanye West. I, I imagine they're probably not getting down to those sort of artists. No. Is it more your George Ezra at 3pm on a Saturday afternoon? No. Um, well, she will kind of poodle about the main stage, but mum's good at... At spreading round. She's not one of those... You know, you get the people who will sit on a camp chair in front of the pyramid stage... That's my mum. ...and not leave. <laughs> Which, if that's what you can do, fine. But there's so much else to see. So mum's pretty good at getting around. She'll take a hip flask around with her. And you know there's always, like, rumours at Glastonbury of, like, oh, this person's going to be doing a set... And um, Leanne Le Havas did a set in the acoustic stage, mm-hmm. which was a surprise slot. Um, so we went along, and it was it was amazing. So it was just her and a guitar. It wasn't like a full band, and it was like between albums or something. So it, she was very relaxed. She wasn't in like promo mode or anything like that. So um, yeah, that was a pretty special one. It's a special place, and yeah. I, I need I'm going to make it down to the big tree next year. Big sure. tree, get a KB, don't you? Well, actually, KB doesn't have a ticket yet, so she might have to just like make a stand for sandwiches or I something. I think we can get her in. Petition on the ve- on to a begin. vending truck. Okay, yeah. we can do this. Third item I'm going to go for is this big one. Yep. Mr. Scruff, Trouser Jazz. Now, I have to confess, Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot about Mr. Scruff. Yeah. I've never... He does like nights up in mainly Manchester... Is he yeah. Manchester based? Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about this then. So, the reason that one's in there is because that is the first vinyl I ever owned mm-hmm. and my sister gave it to me before I had a player to do anything with it. But she was like, you need, you need to get on this. Like you need, she's three years older than me. So she was like, you need to, you need to get on vinyl. Mr. Scruff, that'll, that'll sort you out a bit. That's, that's a good starting point. Because we also lived in the middle of nowhere, we'd, me and my sister would end up hanging out a fair bit um, and she would just play music out of her bedroom or there'd be stuff floating around. So I'd quite often look up to her for like musical taste of like, what should I be listening to? Mm-hmm. So there'd be a lot of influence. There, there was some random ones like, uh, do, you, do you remember a band called Dogs Die in Hot Cars? No, sounds horrific. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it for ages, so it might be... It might be a bad one now, and they might still be going. <laughs> it sounds it. At the time, it was all right. Were you quite early um, on the vinyl and record player sort of revival and stuff? My mum and dad have always had vinyl around, and my sister's been into it, but she she would quite often just find the weird ones that dad had, like the weirdest covers, and she'd just staple them to her ceiling in her room. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was, but there's a guy with like a, like a big jazz flute and he looks insane on the cover. But but that's kind of why I picked this one because there's there's a lot of memories attached to like me and her growing up and like sharing music with each other. And like you know when you first listen to like late night radio and it's almost like someone's like telling you a secret of mm. like oh there's this band you should know about. That's what I was getting through her. And would so you, would you always bank on what she said and be like and get into it or was there some absolute trash that she flung your way and you're just like what are you doing? I mean, she she 
she was into Bewitched a bit. We we were both, and I'll, I'll admit it, uh, we were both into Justin Timberlake. It's not a bad thing, Jimmy. No, I mean that's coming from a Robbie Williams fan in, over I, there as well. Yes, so. okay. Well, it's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there was there was a few questionable choices. So I would kind of vet them mm-hmm. myself. I'd listen to it for a bit, but um, no, it was always quite good to have someone sort of not going into what at that age is like overwhelming of like you can listen to any music um it was it was quite nice to have someone sort of leading the way and it was before like spotify was around so you couldn't just delve through it all so um yeah that's that's why trouser jazz is in there because your sister's the original spotify yeah yeah laura blake the original spotify lb she did get she did have a nickname of mc blakey blake (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna ask you that actually based on your name Jimmy Blake, are you originally a James Blake? Yeah. Do you choose Jimmy for obvious reasons? No, it, the reason I've always been called Jimmy, like from when I was tiny, mum and dad would call me Jimmy. I don't really know why they called me James, but I've always been Jimmy or Jim. Like I've just been, that's been my name. But when someone I... mentions James Blake, do your ears prick up a bit and you go, oh? No, I mean, it is, it is funny. Like my, <laughs> my sister, when she first went to uni, and I still lived at home. She was like, yeah, my sister, my brother's James Blake. And they'd all be like, no, he's not. So in the first week of her being at uni, I had a load of voicemails from her mates being like, oh my God, I love your music. Like, obviously not musically talented anywhere near him. It's nice to share the name with him <laughs> because like, you could have a horrible person to share a name with. Yes. James Blake is a really good one to share a name with because he's brilliant. And he's a really sound guy and everything he talks about makes a lot of sense. So I'm happy to to share that name with him. And mum had always said, you can use James if you get a serious job, if you want to. But they've always called me Jimmy. So, and I've never come to a point where I've thought my job is serious enough (laughs) to make the conversion. It's fair enough. Um, Shall we go for fourth one? The fourth one? Yeah. Can I shock you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> the fourth one Have you is got... the bag itself. Oh my goodness. Well, I was wondering, because your headphones are in there, and I was thinking... Oh, well, no, that's a bo- that would be a boring one. <laughs> I, like, I like music, so I bought my the headphones. Bag. So your tote bag, which is... Michael Berger Music, it says on there. So... Or Michael Berger. Yeah, that's... that's is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, I was going through a rough time, like, mentally... Like I, I was having a, I was having a tough one. So basically, my one of my best mates from uni had taken his own life. Um, I'd bottled it up for ages, and then it all came like bubbling out in a in a pretty horrible way. Um, so I was, I wasn't in a great place for a bit of time. And um, Bonnevere, Justin Vernon, is an artist who I've always kind of it, weirdly like. There's a few bands um, like. Foles, Arctic Monkeys, are those bands that kind of seemingly without planning to release albums at decent times in your mm-hmm. life and you can always associate stuff with it. Um, so the first Bon Iver album, For Emma Forever Ago, uh, came out when I was like in my teens, just kind of bombing around Suffolk, having a nice time. And the, his voice and the music on that kind of was like... Um, so at this point, 2016... There was a tour. Um, they they were on the twenty two a million, 
mm-hmm. album, which had just come out or was about to come out, but they'd announced the tour as well. So I was like frantically trying to get some tickets. Then on their website, there was like, oh, there's a gig in Berlin that's like in two weeks time. And I clicked on it and it was this, this Mickelberger music thing. And I was like, oh, fuck it. I, I don't care. I'm going to buy these tickets. I'm going to go on my own. And it was like exactly what I needed. So it turned out that it was this festival that Justin Vernon and the two brothers who were in the National had basically come together and they get like 50 musicians to stay in this hotel, the Mickelberger Hotel Mm -hmm. in Berlin for a week. So they hang out together for a week and just write music together and experiment with stuff. So there's loads of artists there. So like the Staves, um, Stargaze, who are like this mad orchestral band, they all come together and do this. And then at the end, they do this like showcase where they just kind of show off the stuff they've been working on. And you get there and you get given this wristband and on this bag, you can see all these little symbols. Yeah. And your wristband has a different symbol on it Mm -hmm. and that dictates which sessions you're going to so you go in and you don't know what you're going to get and the first one I walked into and like because you get put into these groups I've kind of started chatting to a few people because I realized quite quickly there was a few other people who had been there on their own and um got into this session and it was Justin Vernon and Sean Carey who's like one of the band members of Bon Iver on this piano and they did a song called I Can't Make You Love Me and it was just like being like five feet away from someone that you look up to that much and seeing them being that he was really happy as well, like performing there. And it just kind of, I don't know, that whole weekend was just like perfect. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't know what to expect, but everything that it was, was brilliant. And it wasn't like a normal festival, so there wasn't a lineup. In the end, every, at the end of the night, everyone would come together. Bon Iver did their new album in full, and I just had a brilliant time. Um, and it was one of those things that will always stick with me. You mentioned your your pal there, who yeah. took his life. Um, was he a big Bon Iver fan? Or? No, not I don't at all. Think so no, no. Ollie Ollie was a massive Stone Roses fan. <laughs> um, he would have probably been like Jimmy was some of it. Some of it, he'd have been like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was a big Stone Roses fan. He loved White Lies and Churches were some of his big ones. But yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of Stone Roses at his at his funeral. So <laughs> that they yeah, Stone Roses were his his bag, and there were no Stone Roses <laughs> in Berlin. <laughs> Zero members of Stone Roses turned up. But it sounds like it was sort of around a time when you kind of you needed that and wanted. Oh that yeah, like I just do, it, it sounds like something doing almost just throwing yourself into something and doing something completely. Yeah, weird I, had, and I had I had no idea what it was. It was the first time I think for ages I'd just gone like fuck it, let's do I'll do that and. Ever since I've been a bit more open to fuck it. Moments. Do you think that's off the back of what happened? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I also think that I was just, I just didn't really know what to do with that, with that information or like that being part of what was going on. So it was probably more just kind of like, I'll do something different that isn't feeling weird in work at home. It was kind of like breaking a cycle of of doing something normal 
because you can almost get used to the way that you feel in those places. So disappearing off and doing something a bit different, it it definitely kind of shook things up a bit. It was a bit of a like a snow globe. It was like, <laughs> and then uh, from, I mean, it took a while. Um, it took a while to get sort of normal again. But um, yeah, that was definitely a a little moment in that sort of journey and, and quite a good moment in that journey. So on to my final question or final questions. It's going to be about your final item. Um, yeah. You've only brought four with you. Yeah. So I did say five. <laughs> well, where's the fifth? The fifth one is on my phone. Okay. Because... Um, it can't be here with you today. This is like the worst awards acceptance speech. <laughs> it can't be here with me today because it's at my mum and dad's house. Okay. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the the first the first picture. Okay. So it's a 2008 to 2009 student planner, Key Stage Five, if you remember, at the Hewitt School. Yeah. Is that correct? Hewitt School in Norwich. I imagine this is yours, and you haven't stolen this off a channel. No, it's got my name there. Okay. It says Jimmy Blake. Form. I was in 12NA. So this was when I was in sixth form. This was 10 years ago. So I was 17. Mm-hmm. And this was a time when we've all, we were all in bands in high school, right? I was not. I had, <laughs> everyone was. Everyone. I, tried, I thought for a bit I would be, but I wasn't. Okay. Tell me about tell me about the Jimmy Blake experience. No, I, I was going to mention that as a passing reference. But... I don't want to do the names because there will still be there'll be a MySpace or something somewhere. <laughs> what were the bands, Jimmy? No, I can't. <sighs> Look, mine was called for a brief period the Pea Shooters. You weren't. But we we sort of we never even got to the practice. That stage. sounds like that sounds like a band that's like in the Beano. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well have been. We were that fictional. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there was there was one called the Luddites. That was what we is were, that? What's a luddite? A luddite is someone who who is um, kind of against technology changing the way that they do things. Okay, which wasn't the reason for that. It was because my sister was doing some history homework, and I saw the word, and I was like, "That's a cool word." So that was that reason. Mm-hmm. Then pretty much the same people. So I don't know why we changed the name. <laughs> were were pursued by bear. I, lo- I rate that, good name. Do you? Pursued by Bear. Okay, we'll take that. What kind of music are we making? I mean, guitar-y, anything you'd expect from to come out of some teenagers, basically, <laughs> is, is what we were doing. We did manage to play at Latitude, though. Did you? So that was all right. What stage were you on? <laughs> the, like, the local talent stage. Great. But we were there, got a free ticket, that was fun. Nice. Got a KB. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the era I'm in. That's when you're kind of, like, finding out your bands and, like, the people that kind of will, like, shape your kind of musical tastes and you're sussing it all out a bit. So, oh, so, <laughs> because mum was, mum was sending me this homework diary, she... Um, he sent me some of the pages that were like written in it. Amazing. So one of them on the twelfth of January two thousand nine, geography exam one hour, which also depressingly you can see underneath, was my birthday. Oh, peak! <laughs> Do you know what my my birthdays all used to be on the first first day of school? Your but you say they used to be as if you've changed well, I don't your still birthday. Go to school. <laughs> no, as if you've <laughs> changed your birthday. <laughs> 
<laughs> Changed it because it harrowed me so much. Uh, no, I remember starting secondary school on on my birthday, sixth of September, two thousand six. Uh, so that was the inside of it, the back of it, and I, I'm really glad that you asked me to do this because this is an item that I think you'll appreciate so much. And I think I think you are one of the few people that will be able to identify what this is just off the back of the. So Have I'm, you drawn a penis on your homework diary? No, but my mate Andy <laughs> used to do that all the time. So you know you used to have to get your mum to like sign it, yes. to to proof as the, proof that she'd seen that you had to do a bit of homework or something. So mum never really signed this one because it was sixth form, but but the previous ones I'd perfected the KB of her initial, but like I'd managed to do it pretty perfect. well. But um, so she'd never really signed this one. But my mate would always do a big old penis. Just before, because then you had to show it to your form teacher as well. Classic. To show that your mum had signed it. Mum hadn't signed it, and he's put a cock in there. Get the fountain pen, rub it out. Yeah. Oh, those things used to stink, didn't they? The things that you could rub out what? pen with. And also, what was the point in ink fountain pens? Like, those ink cartridges. Did you ever have to buy ink cartridges? I, I was never really a fountain pen kind of guy. I mean, but I was elegant at the age of 12, what can I say? But <laughs> in Like a turtleneck, going to school. Bloody pointless they were. <laughs> like you'd, you'd carry them around in your pencil case and they'd explode everywhere. Oh yeah, you know you'd you have to go down to Smith's to get the next lot. And then you'd go home with like a big yeah, ink stain on your leg. There's one boy in my class who once bit into one and exploded in his mouth. Quite the scene. <laughs> Literal schoolboy error. <laughs> <laughs> so the back of the the back of the homework diary, I think, will excite you. So that's that's the back of it. Okay, so there's. There's signatures yeah. of some sort. One looks better than the others, and it says, I believe, is that Jimmy? Does say Jimmy. Okay, that's a good one. However, is this is this you, Jimmy, or someone else, Jimmy? Well, no, I obviously haven't signed my homework. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it- also, sorry, that would be a shit thing to bring to you. <laughs> like, oh yeah, when I was seventeen, I doodled on the back of my homework diary. <laughs> No, you've nailed the podcast to a T in terms <laughs> not, of quality. Not me. Is this a? I'm going to go with a false signature. It is amazing. So we've got Jimmy there. That is a Jimmy. Is that a Yanis? That's an Which elaborate Yanis. Yeah, because he's now simplified it to a, just a Y, hasn't he? Yeah. And I'm going for this. That's a Walter. Well spotted. Yeah, it took me a while to clock that, that was Walter. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that's three of. Three of five of Foles signing my homework diary. Why your homework diary? Because we were going... <laughs> this this homework diary was when I was in sixth form in Norwich. Uh-huh. Me, me and my band members were going to watch Foles at UEA, which is where, like, any... It's kind of the biggest venue in Norwich. It's still not very big, but any sort of touring band will play there. But then when they get a bit bigger, they don't bother coming to Norwich anymore. So this, we were off to see them at UEA and we, um, we were just hanging around in Norwich waiting to go to the gig. And then like, yeah, we were texting, no WhatsApp at that point. This is 10 years ago, but a text, a text goes round like wildfire because we were in, we were just getting a drink before we, uh, before we got the bus ourselves and like Yanis at bus stop. No, 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 <laughs> good one, mate. But then, like, they, the whole band was at the bus stop, and they were getting the but they'd spent the day in Norwich, and they were getting the bus to the gig themselves. So, I mean, a we couldn't believe that a band we liked 
would get a normal bus because mm-hmm. you just assume everyone has like when you're that age you assume that anyone that's in a band is like a millionaire and has a private <laughs> jet so the fact that they were getting i think it was the x1 to to uea sounds luxurious <laughs> blew our mind um so they had a, they had a nice chat with us and they signed my homework diary but this was basically because i was like well might as well get them to sign something and I don't have many signatures since this because I don't. I've not really done the whole signature thing for ages. But no, I've, people get selfies now, Jimmy. It's fine. But <laughs> I've not even done the selfie thing much. But this was one of those times where I was like, "Well, gonna have to do that." So we got we got signatures off them. Then they played an amazing gig, and as you know, I've gone on to see them quite a few more times since. But it was it was it kind of encapsulates that time where you're like music's great and then seeing the fact that a band would get the bus is like that thing I was saying earlier with the documentary that we made that it's not it's not this world that is completely separate Mm. so seeing them at the bus stop was like it was like oh my god but it was also like oh hold on they can be normal people as well those people that we listen to can be normal I think it's fair to say they're one of the bands that have really broken through that barrier of like they they do now justifiably have a big team around them and stuff. Oh, yeah. Where whereas a lot of indie bands at that time, about ninety percent fell at the wayside. Yeah. Other than the likes of sort of Maccabees, Bombay, uh, Tudor a little later on and, and stuff like that, it kind of they're one of the ones that's continued reinventing and, and still playing gigs, whereas a lot unfortunately have, have perished. And, and uh, along with your, your sick form band as well, and the pea shooters. When the pea shooters are on album six, then then we can have Mate, this chat again. I've still got to get my grade one guitar yet. <laughs> you don't need grades. Before we move on from them, yeah. which would you like to induct into the Hall of Fame? Oh, shit, man. Oh, that's tough. When you say Hall of Fame, right, is this going to be a Hall of Fame where it all looks amazing? And then I've put like a shitty tote bag. It, in no, it can be whatever you want. Like you know, it's you... the one that means the most to you. The one which you know, if in in hundred years time, the Jimmy Blake Museum, what's that one artifact out of these five? And also another caveat. You know, when you're in an art gallery, when you get like the name of the piece of work, and then you get a bit of a sort of bio Spiel, next to yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's in a glass case, and it's just there because of the idea of it just being in a glass case spinning round, yeah. which is what I've got the idea of now. Okay, great. I think my homework diary sat <laughs> in there, sat in there just spinning round I'm on its own um, with some signatures that you wouldn't really... You only caught out because you're an absolute big fan of Foles. Just for the idea of people walking past it and trying to suss out what that is. Because imagine, I'd imagine like other items in there might be like a vinyl or like something really or like a picture of someone with someone that would make sense i think just for like a little curveball at the end that they have to walk past maybe towards the gift shop there's just like a spinning homework diary signatures one side massive penis (laughs) yeah exactly i have asked you to come prepared with your three favorite music kind of documentary films about sort of real life music mm. if you like so when I think of this I think of like that amazing Bross documentary 
last year that was on. That's good. I think of, as we said, the Mark Ronson one I watched recently. That is good. I went to see the Foles rip up the road recently as well. Which three have you brought along? Um, It's a really tricky one because, in my eyes, they fall into different categories. And they're all... There's all there's there's obviously different reasons for different music documentaries being a thing. One of them that I want to talk about is called The Devil versus Daniel Johnston. So he very sadly died recently and he was kind of this he was quite elusive but not in a Frank Ocean way where like he knows he he can do what he wants. It was because this guy had like severe learning difficulties and if you ever well, I say learning difficulties but they it was more of a mental health thing but they made a documentary about his life because he grew up in kind of the 70s into the 80s and passed away more recently but he used to make this like amazing music and people like Radiohead more recently like Rex Orange County really look mm-hmm. up to him because he made this like weird music but it's it's almost addictive to listen to and there's a, there's, a, there's a documentary about him that looks at like his life growing up and then going into later life and becoming famous with 100% not meaning to. And I wouldn't even class him as famous, but he had like this cult following who were really into him. It's a bit of an eye-opener into how people would treat people with mental health problems, especially 10, 50, even, yeah. like, not even that long ago. There's a bit when he says, hey... This is um, this is Daniel Johnston, and I'm going to talk about the devil now because he basically had bipolar mm-hmm. mixed in with severe depression and anxiety and stuff. But it was, it's it's a fascinating watch because it's in parts it's funny because he had this like amazing character to him. It's really sad in parts because people just don't understand him and mm-hmm. don't and people weren't talking about mental health in the way that they do now. But his music is is like brilliant but weird and great and it always puts a smile on my face listening to his music so I think that's one of them okay, that's, cool. that's that's one of them so then the the other the other in that kind of thread of seeing an intense bit of someone's career mm-hmm. um, there's a Bob Dylan one called Don't Look Back that looks at like the first time he came to the UK and started like becoming Bob Dylan basically he was already pretty big um, but again, when you get those like a Bob Dylan story, like yeah. that is overwhelming because the guy has so many albums. I haven't it's got like, enough time for ten yeah, hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's 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 a really interesting look at uh, and like the foresight to like film this thing back in the day was pretty impressive, and to see the way that like the press would deal with musicians at the time. Like you see this guy come in and to one of his hotel rooms, and he's like in a tweed suit and sits down there. Hello, Bob Dylan. Like it's it's such a weird way of doing an interview, but that's how it would happen yeah. back then. It's such a cool insight to that time, especially now. Like any artist that we kind of want to know a bit about that's around now, they probably got like a camera crew with them, or they're on social media, so you can kind of see everything anyway. But something like that is a world that people at that time didn't see. So Daniel Johnston, the devil, the devil versus the devil versus Daniel Johnston. Okay. And don't look back. I don't think there's a sub clause on that one. I think it's just called don't look back. But there's so many Bob Dylan ones, but that one. And then there's like this. There's a guy called Nick Broomfield. So he made he made one called um, Kurt and Courtney, which is Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love, which 
started out trying to be like the story of Kurt Cobain and his life and just trying to basically tell the story. But it turned in, it, the the sort of eventual thing is like, is loads of people trying to like not talk to him about Kurt Cobain and kind of the way around it. And so it's almost more, and this is quite often what Nick Broomfield does, is it's more about the stuff that happened around the interviews that are in it rather than just the sit-down interview where someone's ready to talk. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that kind of approach where there's just like blunt questions being asked. Like he's just going in, doesn't he just wants to talk to people about an interesting thing and he'll just try and do it any way he can. What I'm going to ask you to do is... Burn one. <laughs> well, Burn everyone that ever made it. It's, <laughs> it's close enough. Kill everyone involved. Um... Jimmy Blake, you must have heard of the old uh, the old game that you probably used to play called Snog, Marry, Avoid. Yeah. Well, um, I want you to pick one of these that you'd share with someone. Who would it be? Who would you watch it with? I want you to keep one of these. It means you can watch it whenever you want for the rest of the time. That's yours okay. just to watch, just you. Can everyone else watch it as well? Have I taken um, it from the world if I, I'm keeping I it? Think, I think you take it from the world. And one which is going to be a void, so one that you'll never be able to watch again or... Just imagine you've never watched it. Okay. All right. I think I've got this. Okay. So the share one would be Daniel Johnston because I think more people should know about him. Who would you share it with? I'd probably watch it with my dad because we, we've both had mental health problems and it's just really nice to, to see this guy just cracking. Well, not even trying to crack on because the mental health problems he has stop him from really knowing what's going on Mm -hmm. but it's just like quite a heartwarming but upsetting but funny watch and my dad's always introduced me to stuff that I find funny now and has influenced me and yeah so I'll share that documentary with my dad I'll keep the Bob Dylan one because I really like the archive in that and Bob Dylan's being a badass in it like it's, (laughs) it's prime Bob Dylan being like he knows he's a big deal and he's being a bit of an ass, but he knows he can get away with it. And then the only reason I'm saying avoid is because Nick Broomfield has such a good back catalogue that there's other there's other uh, documentaries okay. that people watch. Tactical. So Biggie and Tupac is still out there if I if I avoid the Kurt you've got and you've got a montage of heck for uh, yeah. You've still got Kurt. It's not like there's no Nirvana footage out there either. <laughs> yeah, so. So YouTube. <laughs> so that's yeah. That's how. I'd play well, that. it sounds like good. Three good choices. I've actually not watched any of them. I'm afraid to say, but as I said, I'm definitely right. gonna hit them up now. Thank you so much for bringing your items with you today, Jimmy Blake. That's all right. Um, and one more plug. Go on. Where, what are we plugging? Your transgressive thing. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna plug the doc again. <laughs> How to survive the music industry: the transgressive story is available on iPlayer. It's yeah. wonderful footage and documentary making, if I do say so myself. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to this episode of What's in the Bag. Please leave us a rating, comment, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. That means that each episode will drop right into your lap as soon as it's here. Follow at WITBpod on Twitter and Instagram to get info about when each episode is coming and who my next guest will be. And a final thank you to Johnny Robinson for providing the music for What's in the Bag and Charlie Shreve for creating the artwork. You can find more of his work at Charlie Shreve Design on Instagram.